us to the book of Luke, chapter 7. Luke, chapter 7. We're going to go towards the end of the chapter, beginning at verse 36, and read the remainder of the chapter. Luke 7, verse 36. Amen. You have it. Praise God. You get it. You don't have the Bible. You have it on the wall. Stand for the reading of the word today. Come on, come on, make it like you know. Who's the 
seated this morning, and if the Lord will allow me, I'm going to minister on this thought, broken changes the atmosphere. Broken changes the atmosphere. Hallelujah. This is a very familiar narrative in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is a narrative that is in all four of them. But Matthew, Mark, and John have a little bit uh, different details than Dr. Luke. Luke being the great physician. Amen. His details were a little different than those of Matthew, Mark, and John. Amen. Their focus is on giving to the poor, while Luke's focus is on forgiveness. Amen. And so as we look at these, amen, we see that really more people, I find more people preach on, the, amen, the account in Matthew, Mark, and John than they do in Luke. I, I preach several times out of this uh, particular narrative, amen, of uh, in the, the sign in the Pharisee's house and the woman with the alabaster box out of Luke's account. But, but you'll, you'll see that it seems to be a little bit more, uh, amen. Uh, prominent for them to preach out of Matthew, Mark, and Luke John's uh, amen, uh, details of the story. Some scholars say that too, both of them have a, a character named Simon. Amen. Uh, some scholars say that the two are not the same person. Amen. The, the Simon that is in Matthew, Mark, and John is Simon the leper. The Simon here is Simon the Pharisee. Now you have to understand that Simon was a very popular name in the, uh, in the New Testament. So it wasn't a man, it's kind of like uh, the name Bill or John or that we uh, have some of the popular names uh, uh, here. So Simon was not an uncommon name. But there are some scholars that say that these two Simons were one and the same. There are others that say these two are different Simons. Now, I know that... There's an account different again with uh, the woman, amen, the character. But there's arguments for both. There's arguments that you could say that they are both Simon the Pharisee and Simon the leper are one and the same. And there are arguments that you could say uh, that they are two different Simons. I'm not here today uh, to decide or try to discern or try to convince anybody that the two are the same or that they are not. But in the context of what the Lord has laid on my heart today, in the context of this message today, I'm going to, amen, say that they are the same. That Simon the Pharisee and Simon the leper are the same. Are you with me? Amen. Praise the Lord. I, I said that so that you didn't go back and, you know, text me or message me and be like all of that. Amen. Praise God. Because there's really no clear, uh, amen, clear evidence. But for today, uh, for what the Lord has laid on my heart, because I'm going to take, amen, from both uh, uh, narratives, amen, to give you what the Lord has spoken. Let's say that both of them are the same. And so when you understand or when we look at the context that Simon the Pharisee and Simon the leper are one and the same, we know, amen, that the Pharisees were a sect of the Jews who were strict followers of the law. They uh, were very knowledgeable in the law. We've talked a lot about the Pharisees uh, the past few weeks in our preaching. If you've been in the adult class uh, 
on a Sunday morning, you have heard a lot about uh, there's a great teaching. We're having a great teaching on, uh, amen, on uh, the Apostle Paul and the churches and, uh, amen, the Pharisees. And so the Pharisees were a group of people who were, uh, amen, even though they were Christians, uh, they believed that uh, you had to follow the letter of the law. So in other words, you had to be a Jew first before you could be a Christian. So you could be a Christian, they didn't have a problem with that, but you had to become a Jew first uh, and follow the Mosaic law. So that's the Pharisees. Amen. But Simon the leper, when we understand, amen, a, a, a leprosy. Leprosy was a disease we know that isolated people. And leprosy was a disease that contained them or separated them from society. Amen. Leprosy was uh, uh, such that if they were walking uh, down the street, uh, that they had to cry out, unclean, unclean. Amen. So they had to let people know that they were approaching, uh, amen, that they were unclean or that they were lepers. Because it was according to the law, you could not come in contact with uh, someone who had leprosy. Uh, amen. And so uh, we understand and know that leprosy was a disease that ate away at the flesh. It often ate the nose. It would often eat the ears. It would eat, amen, uh, the appendages, amen, the fingers, the toes, uh, amen. It would literally eat the flesh, amen. It would eat away at the flesh, and it would leave a white, ashy kind of uh, appearance, amen, uh, on them, amen. So uh, uh, even though they were probably recognizable, depending on, what's, on what stage of leprosy you may have been in, hallelujah, they still had to cry out, unclean, unclean, amen. But here's the thing, amen, as leprosy ate away at the flesh, it would leave open wounds in the flesh. And so this would cause them to be susceptible to infection. You get the picture, right? Amen, that the open wounds would leave them susceptible to infection. And uh, interestingly enough, most often it wasn't the leprosy that killed the person, but it was the infection that, called, that was caused from the leprosy that would eventually be the death or the demise of the person. Amen. Can I tell you that sin eats away at the soul? Yeah. The soul is on mind, will, and emotions. It's what we know as our flesh. Can I tell you that sin eats away at the soul and it makes us unclean? Aren't you glad, amen, that when you were a sinner, you did not have to cry out, unclean, unclean? Aren't you glad this morning that as you came in this house of worship, hallelujah, if there was any kind or is any kind of sin or failure in your life that you didn't have to come to the door and say, unclean, unclean, amen, and there was a special place for you in the sanctuary because you were deemed unclean. I'm so thankful today for the blood of Jesus that washes us clean. Come on, somebody. You gotta be with me today, amen. I want to be with you. You gotta be with me today. Hallelujah. But sin eats away at the soul and it makes us unclean. But can I tell you it's not the sin that kills us, but it's the defilement that sin causes that eventually a man will destroy us. Hallelujah. The Bible says sin is for a season. And at the end of that season is always death. And there are 
areas of your life that sin will cause to die. Amen. Hallelujah. It's not just your physical body. That is the ultimate end goal for the enemy. That sin, amen, is to take the breath out of your body. And you see the infection or the defilement that sin causes is often the reason that breath is taken out of someone's body. Oh, come on, somebody, do you hear me? Hallelujah. And so, amen, sin can take the death, can cause the death of your emotions. It can cause your hope and your joy and your peace, amen, to disintegrate and to die. Hallelujah. It can cause your hope to, to amen, to eat away. Hallelujah. Amen. It's your hope and your peace until eventually your emotions, amen, are completely dead. Amen. To the will of God. To the things of God. Sin can eat away at your marriage until your marriage is over. Sin can eat away at your finances until you become financially destitute. Sin can eat away. Come on, somebody. Do you understand? Amen. Hallelujah. So it's not always a quick thing. Hallelujah. But I'm, I'm trying to make you understand or help you to see. Hallelujah. The connection between leprosy and sin. Hallelujah. It is much like leprosy. And so it's not the sin that kills, but it's what sin does that ultimately brings that death. But can I tell you, can I just insert right there because, hallelujah, I can. Jesus did not die for your life to stay dead and amen without hope. But he died that you could have life in abundance. He did not die so that you could be halfway set free. He did not die that you could sit in his presence and be an addict or be stuck. He did not die that you would have to compromise the sin. Amen. And give in to, hallelujah, the wiles of the devil. But he died so that you might live and live in the fullness of Hallelujah, while here on earth, and then when you leave here, you can live with him throughout all eternity. If there's anybody else into the tabernacle today that believes in the abundant life of Jesus, I need you to give him a shout. Put your hands together, stop your feet, shout it out. Hallelujah. Now, if you're one of those that are free, shout So what did she do? Hallelujah. We don't know how she 
got it. We don't know why she had it. We don't know where she got it from. We don't know how long she had it. But she had in her possession an alabaster box filled with a very pricey, amen, ointment made of spikenard. Hallelujah. A perfume, if you will. She had that for some reason in her possession. Hallelujah. But before she left to go to the house of Jesus, she got that box. Hallelujah. That alabaster box of ointment. Can I tell you, hallelujah, that even when you don't know what the Lord wants to do, you still got to be intentional with what you're going to do. Even when you don't understand what he's doing, why he's doing it, why or where you are, you've got to go to where he is with the intention, hallelujah, of giving him something that he's worthy of somebody better help me in this place. So I'm trying to tell you, hallelujah, Simon wanted to eat dinner with him, but that sinner woman had different intentions. She went in with an intentional desire this man named Jesus. I wonder how many came in today with an intentional desire to give the Lord the praise and the honor that he is so deserving of. Oh, hallelujah. She heard he was there, so she made sure she brought with her an alabaster box of perfume that spitenard now here's what you gotta understand. This woman was a sinner. You think a sinner is a sinner is a sinner, but you gotta understand the language. You gotta understand the context. Now, now if this was coming from a Pharisee, so if Simon is uh, a man is different and he is this is a different man, and it's Simon the Pharisee, that coming from a Pharisee was a very harsh judgment. Yeah, yeah. That coming from Simon the leper was also a judgment, hallelujah, because he understood, amen, what the word sinner meant in their language. Hallelujah. Amen. The word sinner translated here means branded. Amen. It literally means marked for missing the mark. So, Wusa's translation says that she was stained with decay. So here came a woman with sin stains all over her. So now we see a little different perspective. Amen. From Simon the Pharisee, that was a very harsh judgment. But from someone who used to be a leper, covered with spots, come on somebody, that was decaying his flesh, to look at someone else and call them a spotted Amen. Decaying person was pretty much, amen, lowering them to the lowest of the low. Hallelujah. So here she came in stained with decay. Can I tell you, if you could see through the eyes of the Spirit, you would see all kinds of stains in my life. Amen. I got scars. Hallelujah. That are evidence. Amen. Of some things that brought pain. I was thinking the other day. Sister Colleen calls that. She threw a, a man a pop bottle at me, a broken pop bottle, a man that cut my head open. Hallelujah. And my mom was like, suck it up. 
You'll be all right. Go back outside and play. I got a big scar down my forearm here. Hallelujah. From a, a man we used to have, a man though, rolling the round ottomans. You remember the round ottomans that were covered in vinyl? You know, my mom thought it was leather, but you know, it was covered in vinyl. I used to turn them on their side. I was a fat kid, really, really, really extremely chubby, amen. And I used to, I used to put them on their side and I would roll on that, on that ottoman. And my mom used to whip me for that. She said, you're going to take that up. Quit doing that. Well, they were remodeling the house. And what did I do? I turned the ottoman on its side and I would begin to roll on it. Well, I rolled so fast that they had my, my dad had hung a new wooden door, amen. And that wooden door had not been sanded yet. So my arm ran down the side of that wooden door, cut my arm open. And you, you can guess what my mom said. That's what you get for rolling on the ottoman. I told you you shouldn't do that. Amen. So I got, I got a scar, amen. And I can remember those things. But I got a scar. Some of got a scar on my knee. And for the life of me, it's a pretty big, thick song. For the life of me, I cannot remember how it got there. My point being, I've got some stars that I'm sure I don't remember what come, but I've got some that I promise you, if you can see them in the spirit, I can tell you the day, I can tell you the offense, I can tell you who caused it, I can tell you how long it lasted. Come on, somebody. And I've got some sin stains on my life that I can tell you what caused them. But I'm so thankful that the blood of Jesus covers me and calls me righteous. Brother Will, and no matter how stained I am, hallelujah, you're stained, your neighbor is stained, we're all stained. So ain't none of us got a right to point a finger and call anybody else a sinner. So now Simon says, well, if he was a prophet. So if I can look at it in terms, well, if he was who he says he is. If he was a prophet, he would know that this woman that's touching him is stained with decay. Just like a leper. Come on, somebody. If, if, if he were a prophet, oh, you're in trouble now, son. Yeah. If he were a prophet, he would know that this woman touching him. Hallelujah, praise God. Now listen to me. Amen. That's when, that's when Jesus said, Simon, I got something to say to you. Okay. Come on. Tings up, tighten up, come on. You know, you're about to get a... Amen. You know, you're about to get a bus in. Praise God. Come on, you tits up, tighten up. I can just see something. He said, Master, go ahead and say it. Hallelujah. Praise God. But here's what I want you to understand. Hallelujah. Amen. Looking at him as Simon the leper. Amen. Being the leper. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 5 gives an account. Amen. Of Jesus healing a leper. It didn't give his name, but Jesus healed the leper. Now, you got to understand that Simon the leper, amen, was no longer a leper, or nobody would have been in his house, especially Jesus. Jesus would not have been there. Hallelujah. There would not have been other people there. So this means that he was a leper, and that's what they knew him by. You know, there's 20 Simons, so that's Simon the leper. That's Simon the Pharisee. That's Simon the drummer. Amen. That's Simon the worship leader. Are you with me? Hallelujah. So it didn't mean that he was. 
was in the current state of leprosy, but it meant that he used to have leprosy. Who's the old? There was no cure for leprosy other than the touch of Jesus. So I believe, hallelujah, that Jesus had touched Simon and healed him. Hallelujah, I'm not a judge and I'm not a predictor. Amen. But I've been to 
plenty of funerals, and I've, I've, I've officiated plenty of them, and I've seen plenty of them. But if you would have been at his, amen, funeral, and you would have seen the look on his face, you would have known that he had just seen torment, that the look on his face, that the last thing he saw, amen, before he took his breath, was torment. Hallelujah. So I'm here to tell you, her, and this was her dad, 53 years old, amen, hallelujah, she became an alcoholic, amen, married, had kids, amen, amen, she struggled and had alcohol, and she really struggled with her faith and believing in God, amen, she was taken to church, amen, and she, uh, her and I got connected back, amen, several years back, and uh, she would reach out to me, and she would say, I, I don't, I, I just, I don't know what I believe, I don't know that I believe in God, but I've watched you, she would say, and I've seen you, and I don't know if I believe what you believe, but there's something about what you believe, amen, that makes me want to pry and dig a little deeper in what you believe, and we would have, amen, conversations about faith, amen, and on November the 8th of last year, I got a message from her, and she said, Hey, Jeff, I just feel like I need to let you know that I love you. Amen. But your prayers have worked. I got saved and I gave my life to God. She said, I quit. I went from bar hopping to church hopping. And she said, two of my kids got saved. Hallelujah. And we're going to church. So I want to tell you, amen. And here's what she said. She said, I feel like I need to tell you that I believe everything is going to be all right. Hallelujah. They found her on her Tuesday or Wednesday, non-responsive in her apartment. She never woke up. And she took her last breath on Friday. Can I tell you, you never know. Hallelujah. But don't you dare believe that God can't take. Hallelujah. What the enemy meant to destroy and bring down. Oh, come on, somebody. And she's got sisters and another brother. Amen. That are alcoholics and they struggle, but I'm telling you, God is faithful. Hallelujah. So I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how far, how deep, how long. You search long enough. Can I tell you something? I just feel like telling somebody this. Hallelujah. If you want to find God, you'll find it. It's when you don't look for him. Oh, somebody help me. Hallelujah. People that say they don't believe in God, it's because they don't look for him. But if you look for him, amen, you're going to find him. Oh, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Give me three people that believe that. Give the Lord a hand right there. Here's the thing. Here's what's going to understand. I'm trying to get through. He didn't just judge the woman, but now he judged Jesus. Yeah. Oh, boy. He didn't just judge the woman saying she was a sinner and she had no right touching Jesus. She, he now judged Jesus for letting this sinner, this woman, who was staying with decay, touch him. That's why Jesus is like, I, I need to talk to you. We need to discuss this. Ain't no way. How many times do we not like what God is doing? Come on. Yeah. Come on. Can I tell you if you're not careful, you want to judge God? Come on. Right. Yeah. Come on. This is an eye opener for me today. Yeah. I didn't have this message until this morning. Yeah. Hallelujah. I've never preached it all this time. Yeah. Never thought I preached several times out of this particular chapter. Hallelujah. But I've never paid, never really thought before about him judging Jesus. 
And oftentimes we don't like what God is doing, and if we're not careful, we're going to cast judgment on Jesus. Here's the difference between the healed leper and the sinner woman. His eyes were on Jesus to judge him. Her eyes were on Jesus to love him. See, that's, that's, that's the difference. It's what your focus is. Yeah. Oh, come on, somebody help me. Hallelujah. When you can learn to love him, no matter what it feels like, no matter how deep it hurts, no matter how much you don't like it, no matter how much you don't understand it, no matter how much it makes you angry, no matter how much it turns your life upside down, if you can focus on him for the purpose of loving him, I promise you, he will bring up the victory and the healing and the restoration that you need to leave in peace. She left his presence in peace. Come on, somebody, help me. You can leave his presence today in peace. She went in with the intention to worship. I can promise you that is the only reason I'm here today. I didn't come here this morning to preach. I didn't come here this morning to, to sing. I didn't come here this morning to see how many of you were here. I didn't come here this morning for you to see what I decided to wear. I came this morning strictly for the purpose of worshiping him. And my focus is on him for that purpose today. Come on. And because she went in with the intention to worship, we know and understand that she changed the atmosphere. She broke the alabaster box, but she was also broken herself. She broke open that alabaster box, but she was broken. By the stain of the decay of sin, death was, was right at her door. Decay means dying. Death was right at her door. She was broken. All of us have been broken. Some of us in here today are broken. Today. We're broken. Broken doesn't mean you don't love Jesus. But can I tell you something? It takes broken ground to produce a harvest. It takes broken clouds to produce rain. It takes broken grain to produce bread. And it takes broken bread to produce strength. So brokenness has its purpose and its place. So we can't judge the brokenness. We don't have the right to judge. Can I tell you that the word already judges sin? God's chosen people did not know that they were sinners until he gave them his word. It was his word that defined sin. Oh my goodness, that's me. 
They didn't know that. Come on. Right. They did not know that they were sinners. But it was the word that made them aware. That's why if you search, you get in his word, you're going to be all. What a wretch that I am. So unworthy of the love of God that he would lay down the life of his only begotten son that I might be free and that I might yes. not have to pay the penalty and the price and furthermore justify me in the sight of my creator despite how dirty and vile and broken and messed up that I was he justifies me through his blood not only am I justified that I can go before him but now righteous that I can be connected to him and be his joint heir. Me and Jesus are the same when it comes to righteousness in the eyes of the Father. I know somebody needs to hear it today. God help me. Hallelujah. Amen. And so we don't. The word judges sin already. So can I tell you something? Let me tell you something. Jesus does not have to rejudge you over and over and over and over and over. We tend to think that he needs to rejudge us and we think he needs to rejudge others. But Jesus did not come to judge. He came to fulfill the word which already judges sin and make aware that you do not have to be judged according to your sin but you can be judged according to what he did on the cross and be considered righteous so Jesus doesn't have to rejudge us over and over and over and over again and the Holy Ghost convicts us of our continual yielding to sin and our resistance to surrender to the word which already judges my sin. I don't need you to tell me my sin. This tells me my sin. And if I've got this hidden in my heart, what did he say? He said, hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against God because it's the word that exposes sin. Focus on the preacher. 
They focus on their charisma. They focus on how many likes and followers they have. Now you can get stars. The only stars I want are in my crown. When I stand before Jesus, you can have your social media stars. They don't need squat in the presence of the enemy. The enemy don't care if you got 2.5K followers on social media. He don't care if you've got a million Influencers. Can I tell you there's a lot of influencers on social media that are claiming Jesus, but it ain't Jesus that we're influencing uh, to the people. It's their opinions, their ways, their lives, their flesh. Come on, somebody. Do you hear me? Hallelujah. We got to get back to where our focus is on Jesus. And then we'll appreciate the house that his presence is in. We'll appreciate the one who's preparing the meal. I don't know 
this is now. Simon was healed of leprosy. But he didn't do one thing to worship Jesus when he came to the house. He had been healed of leprosy. And Jesus is the only one that can heal leprosy. Don't try to say, well, he, maybe he got cured from somewhere else. It was a sentence of death, just like sin. There's no cure for sin. You can, you can try to psychologically make sense of it. Follow the science. Not funny? We've heard that. You know, follow the science. Now they want us to follow the psycho battle. When we were trying to say, psychologically, your science doesn't make sense. Now they're trying to convince us that God created them. Amen. Praise God. Did you know that Facebook has 71 different pronouns or genders that you can choose from when you open an account? Thank God there ain't 71 different. Come on, help me. Hallelujah. He created them male and female. Hallelujah. In his image. That's it. Male and female. I don't care what you put on. I don't care what you take off. Hallelujah. Listen, you can remove body parts, but you can't remove chromosomes. Amen. It's either X or XY. You can put lipstick on. Hallelujah. You can put lipstick on it. You can put a bare bit of overalls on it. You can cut its hair like a man fashioned after a male. You can put on a weave and a wig, but it doesn't change at the end of the day. Inside of you, God created you. Amen. In that way, and you cannot remove chromosomes. You can add hormones, but every one of us were born with testosterone, amen, and estrogen. You can add more of one or the other, but you still cannot remove the chromosomes. And that scientifically says you are a male or a female. Follow the science. But now they want us to follow the psycho babble. That is on how you feel. Well, today I might feel like a creep, but that doesn't make me a creep. Today I may feel lazy, but that don't make me lazy. Come on, somebody. Do you understand what I'm trying to Thursday or something. Right. Yes, that's right. That's true. 
We get used to the intro of the song. We know the first verse is coming. We know what's coming next. We know, come on, we get used to Jesus. We get used to the presence of the Lord. Come on, hallelujah. That's what causes us to be complacent. That's what causes us to not search for more. That's what not causes us to not desire greater. Maybe they got used to Jesus. That excitement was expensive. I told you, $100,000. Imagine a $100,000 bottle of perfume. Now, that's nuts to me. I'm sure it's out there. I'm sure those people that have it on their dresser. Yeah. $100,000 of perfume. Here's what you understand about this excitement. It was only used in drops because it was so aromatic. There's, there's, there's almost 11 years difference between me and my brother. And so, you know, he's 18. And... I was six, wishing I could... Now he can't, now he can't. <laughs> he, he can have those 11 years that I wanted when I was younger. But he used to bathe in cologne. Choke me to death. Made us sick. Come on. Come on, you know what I'm talking Bathe in Come on, man. And it only took one little drop. And they only used it in drops because the scent would last a long time. How many have ever washed clothes multiple times that you sprayed perfume or cologne on and you can still smell it after washing it several times? I'm thankful for that today because I have some, some clothing items in my mom's. I hate her perfume. And she was alive. I hated the smell of it. She's. <laughs> but now, every now and then I got a sweater up in a baggie. Every now and then I just pull that thing down. And smell it. It's been washed several times. Luann has tops that she had that's been washed and worn several times that you could still smell that perfume. Now I'm thankful. I'm thankful for that smell. But that's my point. Spikenard was something that, that it only took a little drop because it lasted a long time. Now imagine pouring out the whole soaking the rug, surrounding everything on the floor, covering the head of Jesus and on his feet. Come on, somebody. I need you to get a picture here. I saw some things today, this morning, this that I've never seen before. She pulled it on and so said, not only did she change the atmosphere of that room, because I'm thinking about that, long after Jesus left, no matter how much they would scrub, no matter how much they would clean, when you step in the house, you're going to smell her worship. That smell's not going to go away really quickly. It's going to last for months and months and months. So if it affected the room, 
in that way, not only did her worship change the room, but it also changed everywhere Jesus went after he left the room. I need somebody to help me. Because as much as she poured on his body, I don't care how many times he dipped, amen, in the bath, in the, in the bath water. I don't care how many times he washed with lye soap. I believe that expensive fragrant oil, amen, that smell did not go away. Can I tell you that your worship is not just for you, but it's for everybody else. Hallelujah, that your testimony bears witness. Why do we worship? Because we testify of the goodness of God. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. So what he did for you, your testimony will linger. Hallelujah. And wherever Jesus went after that. Now here's what. Your worship isn't just for you. So that means your brokenness isn't just for you. But it's meant to produce a harvest. It's meant to produce rain. It's meant to produce bread. It's meant to bring strength. Come on, somebody. I need you to hear me. Hallelujah. It's not just for you. Amen. But it's so others can know who he is. It's so others can know who Jesus is. Can I tell you? On Yom Kippur, we know that the high priest went behind the, the veil of the temple, the holiest of holies, the most holy place on Yom Kippur. He went behind there. It was there, amen, on Yom Kippur that the sins of the people were forgiven, right? But the high priest could not go behind the veil until the oil was poured on him. The fragrant anointing oil, which was a specific recipe, we preached on that before, with the myrrh, the frankincense, and all of that in there but that God gave a recipe for. It had to have a particular smell. You get that? The anointing smells like God. Come on, the true anointing smells like God. But they would pour that fragrant oil over him and cover his body before he could go behind the veil and get forgiveness for the sins of the people. So what she did, because if you read Matthew, Mark, and John's account, which was about the poor people, they said, Jesus said, because you know their gripe was that she wasted the hundred thousand dollars worth of well, she could have gave that to the poor. Like you were going to, Jack. Come on. <laughs> Jesus said, she has prepared my body for the burial. What she has done is will be a memorial unto her. Because somebody's going to smell what she's done after I leave her presence. Come on, somebody, do you hear me? Hallelujah. Somebody's going to get what she got because she was willing to give me the worship even though she was not on oh, somebody help me in this place. Even though she did not feel it. Yes, yes. So this woman prepared Jesus to literally break the curse of sin. She prepared him because right after that, it was going into Passover, right after that, Jesus went into 
his crucifixion and all of those things. And he said, she prepared, she prepared it for memorial. So now here, here, here's what I got to thinking. I got to thinking today. I never thought about this before. But, 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 but about how that even after he left the room, we've always preached that the smell changed the atmosphere. But I've never thought about it leaving a lasting smell in the room based on what was poured out for, for months and months. But I really never thought about Jesus smelling like that. Yeah. All the way to the cross. It would take months to get that smell. That's why they only used a little drop. See, he didn't get anointed for the burial. Remember when, when Mary was coming to the tomb after the after three days to, to prepare his body with the oil and the spices yeah. for the burial because he didn't get prepared for the burial, but in all actuality, he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So when he was sitting before Pilate, and Pilate walks in, and all the Roman guards, they walk in. Yes. Yes. What's that smell? That's somebody's worship. Blood has a smell, and they beat him to a bloody pulp. But I don't believe that blood, the smell of that blood, overrode the smell of her worship. It was because of the smell of her worship that a man, the smell of the blood, could be a man, could be a hallelujah sustained. Are you with me? Hallelujah. I need somebody to help me. I need you to understand. Hallelujah. That broken changes the atmosphere. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. And 
and the smell of her worship went all the way with him on the cross. And when he took his last breath, he said his finish. And he gave up the ghost and they took him down and wrapped his body in the burial cloths as they carried him to the grave. Thing to do that in my brokenness worship him. 
feel like I could lose my life. Come on. Make a smell. Because broken changes the atmosphere. So your, your, your worship will take you to the cross. It'll help you bear your cross. It'll bring you through the pain that the cost of your cross causes. It'll bring resurrection, but it'll also take you through hell. Yeah. Absolutely. And I want to eat my life smoke. Well, so the smell. Amen. So no matter how broken the worship will change the atmosphere. No matter how. Broken grain to produce bread, broken bread to produce strength. And what is fellowship with Jesus? Breaking bread. He said, if you want to agree with me, you. Yeah. 
desire. I have sent you here today on a word with a mission to bring you into complete peace and wholeness, says the Lord. Your brokenness will bring you victory, says the Lord. Surrender, yield, worship me, and watch me release my presence into your circumstances and show you who I am and my love for you, says the Lord. She has anointed 
my feet. And she has wept. The Bible says she stood behind him and she wept out loud. He said she wept so much that her tears washed my feet. And she dried them with her hair. Woman, thy sins are forgiven. Your faith You can leave here today in peace. We can be broken and leave his presence in peace. Still broken, but have peace because we poured out in our brokenness. Because it's broken that changes the atmosphere. There's some people in here today, you're lost, you don't know Jesus. You've never asked him to be the Lord of your life. You've never asked him to forgive your sins.